Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Duh. Uh, <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <is> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because I've had two cups of coffee already. Today is Monday, June 1st. It's still 2020 and it's already the longest year in the history books. We've only hit month six. Yay. <laughs> With us on the show today, Aaron Brodsky. She is a mom, she's a yogi, she's a bibliophile, a pluviophile, and a technophile, and a Cubs fan? Is there not a fancy word for that one? <laughs> you don't need to. You just need to say Cubs. You don't have to have a fancy word <laughs> for enough. that. It's, it's awesome. And you can find her on Twitter at Aaron Brodsky, and the Aaron is spelled E-R-Y-N. Uh, yes. Brodsky, B-R-O-D-S-K-Y. Um, she is awesome. I used to work directly with her. But give us a quick update. What are you doing now? Um, same thing, actually. Even though you deserted me, I'm still in the same oh. role. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I, okay. I know, right? Uh, no, same thing. Just um, focusing in different areas, different territories. So my territory is changing. Realignment as it always happens mid-year. And um, just getting used to working with new teams. Oh, okay. All right. I know um, you were waiting for the other announcement, but not yet. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. We get, we get well, stay tuned. Surprises. Stay tuned. Sorry. Usually we operate these Zooms with our videos on. Uh, today I left my video off because... It's one, Monday? One of my, one of, well, it's Monday. <laughs> I just uh, but one of my eyeballs is not working. And I don't know if you want to see this or not. Tyler turned his video back on. I did because uh, I wasn't thinking about it. I that ran a ton on Saturday and then I woke up Sunday morning and my left eye was swollen shut. So explain Whoa. that one to me. Uh, um, well, obviously, running bad. <laughs> Allergies, maybe? I guess, but that's only yeah. one. Your left eye is allergic to pollen and your right eye is not. That's maybe right. You, you just got a lot in one eye. Anyway, all right. Aaron, thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah. Tyler, thanks did you have a good me. weekend? Yeah, I did. My, I had a, a very interesting weekend. Um, we, My family decided to uh, open our bubble just a little bit because we were going crazy on the uh, quarantine side of the COVID equation. And we took a road trip at the drop of a hat to go see my in-laws, my wife's parents in Louisiana. Um, Cause we had not seen them since the onset of this. And uh, she was missing her parents quite a bit. We wanted our uh, kids to get to see them too. So we decided to do that. And so I worked out of Louisiana this week. That was tough having my setup. I realized how comfortable my space is from an office perspective. I've, I'm very comfortably working from home in my office. And uh, I was interloping in somebody else's space in Louisiana. And that was tough. But uh, got through it. And uh, on the weekends, um, I, I'm actually helping my father-in-law I guess the easiest way to say it is start a winery. Um, wow. He's got a blueberry farm and we've, we've actually, we as a family have produced blueberry wine and then also some blueberry vodka uh, from those berries. But um, we outsourced the wine production and this year we are going to insource wine production. So I am trying to dust off a bunch of cobwebs from back in the day when I used to brew beer as an avid home brewer and uh, actually wrap my head around a more commercial process, both scale and, you know, just womb to tomb so that we can bottle in and produce probably also some more vodka. And that's tons of fun for me. It's really cool. It's really interesting. But awesome. it's, uh, 
yeah, it piles on too. Like yeah. there's so much going on. You have to talk about in, the tech of all that at some point. I, yeah, cool. I, actually I am doing, and this is the thing. It's like, now I have another job to do in the evening. So I'm trying to balance all this stuff. I feel like I'm juggling plates and knives and all of that stuff right now. And but, blueberries. Um, yeah, it, it just timing, timing sort of demands that it happens now. Yeah. This isn't really something that can wait. So now in the evenings, I'm I'm literally researching all of the bits and pieces. Uh, some things were already in motion that my father-in-law had gotten into. He's already got some of the fermentation vessels in his uh, farm. And um, I'm trying to figure out how to make sure all the systems can actually be at least monitored remotely because mm-hmm. I don't live in Mississippi or Louisiana, which is very close to where the farm is in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be there very much. So if sure. I'm really going to help with the, the brewing process, uh, um, so <laughs> I'm going to need some remote systems to edge deployment right here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> what, what I'm finding and some of this might just be because uh, like I said, some decisions were already made. So there's a little bit of ad hoc to it is that the, wine industry is surprisingly not really up to out-of-the-box um, smart remote intelligence. Right. So when I talk to suppliers for like the glycol chilling system and I talk to suppliers about monitoring and even better making adjustments, whether it's read-write to something that's happening in the fermentation processes, which I'm focus- focusing on the most right now, it's kind of like, oh no, we don't do that. The closest you get is a, a, a like a remote intelligent display but remote intelligent display just means it's not outside where the chiller is, mm-hmm. you know, doing the evaporation functions. It's not on the fermentation vessel. It's just on the wall, fifteen feet to the right. Well, that's, Connected that's not with a really long cable, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> R- remote just means it's not on that it's one. It, it means it's on the funny. wall, and all four or three or whatever it is ends up being. So it's like, well, that's not really going to help me do what I need to do. <laughs> That's yeah. a, I just I like that Aaron wants to know about the technology. My first thought was, do you need people to sample? Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> of course, of course. But that's well, Aaron, cool. That's how, that's totally like IoT initiatives for, for the sure. liquor industry right there. I love it. Yep. So I'm I'm just digging into it, and hopefully I can find some stuff to make that a little easier to do. But it's fun, and it's also daunting. So, Aaron, how's your family weekend? been doing in all this? Um, we're doing as best we can, I think. Um, the kids are going to be 11 here soon and uh, just finished fifth grade. So, you know, I'm very lucky in that they're somewhat self-sufficient. Um, you know, I've never been a big person to like throw them in front of the TV and whatnot. Um, at the very beginning of everything, I broke down and bought the first video game console we've ever had. We bought a Switch. Bought a Switch. Of course, I, I, you know conferred with all of my coworkers to decide which one was the right one. And, um, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a fantastic purchase and half the time I want to throw it out the window, but you know, they're, they're for the most part doing okay. The, the zooms for the boys have been working really well. They can socialize that way. My daughter, you know, the girls aren't doing the zooms quite as much. So it's this interesting balance. But on the plus side, we finally got my grandmother to adopt FaceTime. So about a month ago, she just turned 94 on, um, on Saturday. Yes. So about a month ago, she finally, thank you. We actually did a birthday parade on Saturday. Um, it was hilarious (laughs) 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 with masks and everything. And like the local police officer drove by just randomly. And we're like, we're swear we're all staying, you know, over six feet apart. 
Um, <laughs> but it, because in Illinois, you know, we still have a bunch of those rules and everyone's Strict all masked up. Yes, exactly. But uh, so she started FaceTiming, can now see us all. So that's really cool. But yeah, we're just, we're making the best of it. And, and just like Tyler was saying, everyone's going a little stir crazy. We miss travel. But we're hopeful that at some point this year, we might be able to get out of the house and actually hug people. Yeah. Man, so speaking of police um, and what I was mentioning when I was running on Saturday, uh, I was just doing this ridiculous thing. And at one point, one of my runs was at 2 a.m. And a buddy came over to run with me, if you can believe it. And (laughs) Hard to believe, not going to lie. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I, I was surprised. Um, his eyes swollen shut too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got out here. He got out of his car and we take off down the road. And about, I don't know, five minutes later, I get a call from my wife. And th- this is like 2.05 in the morning, something like that. I'll try to get the, the story real quick so we can get the tech headlines. But she's like, hey, there's an officer at our door. And I was like, uh, what? Because <laughs> I was doing everything I could to not wake her up. I got back from my 11 or... 10 p.m. run, and I just slept on the living room floor until the 2 a.m. run. So I didn't wake her up, anything, whatever. And then I've got a, an officer standing on my door, like waking up my house. Well, apparently he came down the cross street right as we left, and the headlights, you know how headlights stay on after you mm-hmm. like lock the door for like a minute or something? He came by and he saw the headlights on. And so he's like, huh, this is weird. It's 2 a.m. and there's headlights on, so I'm going to go knock on the, the house door. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, Way to keep your uh, wife from being disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well well done. So I was like, what were you thinking whenever you open the door and there's an officer standing there <laughs> and you know I'm out on a run? Like, oh, sorry, he's at the hospital. Right. Anyway, okay. I did want to know, was she calm? I just need to know because I know that you guys both had your wives on on Friday. I was a little disappointed that I wasn't able to join then. Um, <laughs> did she totally ream you out when you got home or was she super cool? Because no I imagine was, her being Joanna's super cool. She was always totally calm. Yeah, she was super she cool. Yeah, in, she's not uh, a table it? flipper ever. Uh, <laughs> it was just shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, I don't even know what I was really thinking. Like, she didn't know what time it was. Like, she was just way out of it. So, she was also super embarrassed because she was wearing like her PJ, her nighty know, nighty thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how long yes. did the officer talk to you? And, and she was like, about ten minutes. And I was like, that seems Jeez, extremely long like, time. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. I think he's. <laughs> I think he was staying there on purpose. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> oh, well, that's that was enough of an intro. Um, oh, so man. SpaceX, what did they do? They did something not this weekend. No, it wasn't. Did y'all watch nothing, it? Nothing momentous. I don't know. Is it <laughs> yeah. even worth mentioning? You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I was actually just saying before we joined that um, with some of the news that's been happening in general, I, I was like, we should really put the kids in front of the TV to see what's going on with SpaceX because that's actually some cool stuff going on yes. in the world that we're getting distracted away from. Yeah, that talk about a silver lining, right? You, you mm-hmm. need some good news once in a while. Um, that I think that definitely fits that bill, right? So they successfully launched the Crew Dragon capsule and docked with uh, the ISS and got the, the two um, astronauts, you know, as the first delivered humans from the American space program between SpaceX and NASA since what the end of that program was 2011. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's huge because it's a reinvigoration of uh, manned spaceflight in the United States, which opens up a lot of research opportunities. And I'm super excited about it. Um, I, I was super bummed because that, that fun stuff that I was doing with my father-in-law actually precluded me from 
watching. Um, and I have not had a chance to go back and actually see the footage because I'm really excited about it. But that doesn't tamper my excitement about what's going on in the space industry anyways. So I, I just think it's, I think it's great. I think it was awesome to see all of the publications and all of the social interaction. Um, I saw one chart that said at peak viewership, it was almost 10 million people watching the launch uh, live. And that's just, it's awesome, right? It's, it's an escape. It's really, really cool stuff. It's awesome that it went well, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's the precipice of a lot of neat things as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it I, I've been, um, as I was playing with my stylist here that we were talking about before we joined, I was watching and they were saying that everything's controlled with touch screens and just thinking about, because I'm probably dating myself for a moment here, but thinking about back in the eighties when, you know, this was something that happened on a semi-regular basis and realizing that my children have not really had the experience that I had as a child to see what it's like for astronauts to be going up in space and, and what that program entails and just the awesomeness, the true definition of the word, um, as you're seeing these events take place. So I'm looking yeah. forward to giving them the chance to really absorb what that means because it opens up your mind to all these other possibilities that you just don't think about otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was reading a few other things too. I mean, the, the number of successes in that flight is, is so cool too. Right. So, yeah. Know, the boosters coming back down. I know this has been tested over and over again, but it's still, it's the reusability of some of the components, the way that SpaceX specifically got, uh, got into this with NASA is fascinating. And just so much goes right in rocket launches that are successful, right? It's just, it's a litany of things that could go wrong and none of them did, which is so cool. But then, yeah, I think the like only, you said, the, go ahead. Well, just the only thing I saw, so we watched um, the docking as well on mm. Sunday morning and it seemed like the only thing that, that went wrong was the, uh, was the Dragon crew being able to talk to the ISS. They could both talk oh, to they ground had communication issue? and they were trying to, yeah, they're trying to do a hard line between the capsule and the space mm. station, I think. Um, I, my kids were, that's really interesting. You think they of were asking all a the ton things. of cool questions we were, I was trying to help them with questions about everything that was happening. Like, <laughs> While you're too busy stars. geeking out, you're like, just wait, just wait. I need just to wait, see what wait. they're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so cool. I mean, there was, it spawned so many interesting conversations. So, oh, fun. um, yeah, it was awesome. And it was cool to see both of them live as well. Just the timing of it all. Right. Cause they, I mean, they don't, they don't do that for our convenience, right? They do it for <laughs> the fact that you know, the trajectory of ISS and, you know, you're trying to fire something a certain um, way at a certain speed and you, right. know, you have Small to have windows opportunity. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool. And I, I also, Aaron, um, saw the sort of an expose and article, if you will, about the interior. And it was, it's really neat to see back-to-back comparisons of the shuttle of old to the, the Crew Dragon capsule because it is, so so much like the the spacesuits, it right. feels like this just catapult into this future vision of what we had for space exploration, and it's like boom, you're there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have to. It's I, I'm probably because it's Monday morning and I'm not fully awake yet. I have to bring this up because we're talking about space exploration, not to totally divert the conversation, but yesterday we had a conversation in the household about Star Wars versus Star Trek. And if you can be a fan of both, and I was talking about how science fiction in general um, 
is part of how we've gotten to the place that we have with, you know, all of this exploration. And now we're talking about the cool spacesuits. And I'm just wondering, you know, how soon is it going to happen? And are we going the Star Trek route or the Star Wars route? Can you live with both at the same time? My answer, by the way, is yes. But that was another conversation <laughs> that took place in our house yesterday. According to my children, you can't like both, by the way. Oh, oh, wow. Well, I'm in trouble. Yeah. They've never seen Star Trek, so I'm not really right. sure where that came from. Yeah, but well, Star Wars. It's Star it's, Wars. It, it, well, and, and they have been producing new content now. for so long. Yeah, it's Disneyfied, and it's, it's so accessible in like the new flashy graphics, which is awesome, by the way. Like, I, I, I'm a fan of the entire ecosystem right that's um, good because i can stay on now if you had said no i'd have to hang up no 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 i'm i'm a fan i'm <laughs> i'm definitely just a consumer i love being able to turn off the that's not how space works part of my brain and just enjoy mm-hmm. you know lightsaber duels and in, in weird places right but um star trek it hasn't had the same amount of attention from a reboot perspective if reboot's even the right way to say it like they had it some is. pretty cool yeah. movies too but they're, they're still a little bit longer in the tooth so i just it's it doesn't surprise me that the current generation of kids that would just be starting to consume that would say well what's star trek boo totally well and again we were talking about spacex and the suits and whatnot in the back of my mind i keep hearing space the final frontier so i apologize <laughs> for completely changing the direction no, of that conversation no, that's awesome. <laughs> and you bring, up, that's perfect. you bring up something i've been thinking about as well after watching the launch because and, and tyler you pointed out the fact that what musk is trying to do is bring um economy to this right or what am i trying to say there um the reusability of the rockets is what it'll mm-hmm. allow us to actually send people to space and it won't cost tens of millions of dollars yeah yeah yeah, exactly. The the whole purpose so, of this. And go ahead. Well, yeah, so just one quick thought. question on that. Yeah. Um as as we went through the launch, they're like, okay, now, you know, this is the longest sustained period of G's at like 2.6, right? And then we get to this later part, and it's like, okay, now this is the maximum G's for like, you know, 20 seconds or something. It's like 4.3 or something, right? And so I'm thinking because gravity is um is strong, I'll say it that way. Keep keep the uh the podcast um accessible to us regular people i <laughs> know <laughs> well, i'm just saying it's it's a lot to try to escape the gravitational pull right Earth so is big <laughs> is that i mean is is that a hurdle that like is it too much of a hurdle because these people train they train with gravitational forces oh oh for the number of people that could go you mean yeah yeah yeah. for sending yeah, people I, up in space I mean, is that too much I think- I think they will have to do a lot of fatigue testing and, and people will have to sort of determine and think about all of the warnings on a roller coaster that say you can't have back problems or blood pressure problems and you can't be pregnant. Um, space is that times a lot more, right? Uh, or, or I should say the rocket launch and the forces that you're going to hit. But to be fair, it's been a while since I looked at it. I, I'd be interested to see what the worst G's are on roller coasters. They're usually more brief in their intensity, but they can get, up pretty good like two to three for sure and so i think it's approachable it's not like a, a jet pilot right that is probably going to test for much worse case scenarios where you know even the aircraft is designed to go through a, man- <clears throat> a maneuver that is you know upwards of nine g's and is certain to knock out even the most capable pilot i'm, I'm actually glad to hear that it's only in the four to five G range, but a lot of people probably can't deal with that. 
certainly yeah. not and maintain consciousness. If y'all are interested, I saw, so if you know Smarter Every Day, it's a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy, one Dustin, recent, yeah, he recently did one where he went and flew with, uh, with one of the, the, um, uh, Thunderbirds. I was going to say Blue Angels, one of the Thunderbirds. Cool. And his goal was, and they were talking about how you just, you just mentioned they can do upwards of nine G's and truly the human is the limit in the aircraft. Absolutely. Right. It can do more. Um, and they were going to go try to pull nine G's and he just, he, he backed out. They ended up doing seven or something like that. Seven. Oh, wow. And he tapped out. He was like, Nope, that's it. I'm done. Can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Scrambled my eggs. Put me down. Incredible. Yeah. I I believe, I completely believe it. And I've seen, actually, this wasn't that long ago. I'd have to go find it again, but I saw a video, a compilation of the extreme testing that, that they'll put pilots through. And I I don't remember which branch of the military. It, It looked like it was the United States for sure. But um, they actually push those pilots to the limit in a chamber, and I'm not sure how they're replicating it, but um, they'll they'll put put them into a situation where they do pass out, and then it's also about how quickly they regain consciousness yeah. and understanding of their environment so that they can take back control. Um, yeah. Which I I find interesting because back at my time at Lockheed, I remember one of the interesting facts that someone had told me was that the F-22, F-35 for sure, and I would expect this to be true of basically any modern um, fighter-based platform, uh, multi-role or otherwise, uh, a lot of them have, call it an oh shit button, basically, Mm -hmm. which is ordinance is in the air, it's coming at us, this would be the worst case scenario. We need to do whatever it takes to get out. And you basically, the pilot can give up control, hit that button, the aircraft will go through the actual limit of survivability, what? which does not guarantee consciousness, mind you. Yeah. It's just you, you will live, and the aircraft will do what it needs to do to get as, as far away <laughs> or, or move as quickly and do what it needs to do. So, wow. so it's, and, and it will inevitably knock out the pilot. So, and then it will sort mind. of autopilot home, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that stuff, like, I, I love that story. It was one that, you know, again, somebody at, at Lockheed back in the day had told me, I, I never got to verify it. I don't get to fly F-22s or F-35s. So, uh, and, and I want to say that was about the F-22, but I, I'm pretty sure the F-35 had something similar. And again, modern aircraft probably do. But to your point, the limitation of what we can do with a manned aircraft is the, the squishy meat bag, right? Yeah. <laughs> the machines are not nearly as limited. Let me let me say one last thing about that smarter everyday thing. There's a lady you have to go watch this. At the end, he I actually just pulled it up as you were talking because now I need to look at it more. Yeah, you gotta watch, gotta this. watch that. Too. So he interviews this lady at the end, and she's she's one of the Thunderbird pilots, and she's talking about how. Well, first of all, there's the aspect of um, being uh, acclimatized. I don't know if that's the right word to mm-hmm. the G forces, right? So if she's away for a mm-hmm. while for a couple of months. You know, she's got to get back in it and do like some sustained 3G things. Like she sounds like such a badass when she's going like talking through this, but she's so chill. But there's this maneuver that she pulls in one of the air shows. And I cannot remember if it's like a sustained 7G or sustained 9G, something Goodness. insane, like absolutely insane. Just this massive, uh, I think it's a 180 turn. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's like held for, I don't know, 20 seconds, something like That's that. Nine Gs. It's just insane. And she's, I think. 200 yards above the water or something in this show. Oh my gosh. And they have video footage of it. It's, it's incredible. You got to watch it. Totally badass. I agree. It reminds me of test pilots, man. Uh, 
the stories you hear about Tesla, they are the craziest people you will ever meet. Because I mean, they're basically flying unproven platforms and their jobs are to, in the event that an aircraft fails, they are, even, even though they're not necessarily told to do this, right? They will maintain flight as long as humanly possible and they will eject at the last possible minute to try to collect as much data as possible. And so the stories you hear about these guys and, and gals getting just stupid close to the ground at the literal last second and then getting out. And then unfortunately, some of the stories where they don't, um, it just, it, it is, I, I can't actually imagine doing that. <laughs> so the, those air show pilots, I think are probably isn't of the what, same breed. Isn't that what Dragon was? It was a space or it was a uh, test flight, right? They, I think they did some maneuvers and stuff in space. I got to go look up which probably. ones I missed those. That wouldn't they, surprise me because it's the first time it was manned. So they, they test all the systems. In fact, I was reading an article yeah. was talking about some of the stuff that had failed leading up to it. And, um, you know, it, they set the program back. That's always bad. But seeing certain failures and then having to go back and re-engineer it so that it can't happen again it mm-hmm. often saves lives. Obviously, that's kind of the point of going through all those major milestone checks. But uh, SpaceX had a couple of catastrophic failures with the capsule and one in particular, t- particular had to do with um, effectively evacuating the crew from the larger body. It sounded like it was just a separation of the capsule from the, the rocket body. Um, and the one of the later tests that they did, they tested that safe system, safety system, and it it ended quite catastrophically. Like probably would have resulted in death, if not obvious. I didn't get into all the details, but um, obviously it set the program back a good bit. But then they were able to re-engineer it, and then now you get this. So, um, I, it's yeah, again, all of the things that have to go right for stuff like this to happen, and then just. Imagine being the person that's the first one saying, all right, I'm just sitting on a lot of explosive stuff that is intentionally exploding. So it's just one giant controlled explosion after another. And, and I'm here to make sure that, you know, the controls still work. <laughs> I think inside of all that, I think what I also heard was the importance of failure, which is a totally different yeah. conversation. Probably it's going to take a whole lot longer than, than what we have here, but it's, very, very true. I mean, the best successes come out of lots and lots of failure. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. A, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. All right. I did, do you always get this philosophical or is it just today? Not, we're just talking a lot more about space. I mean, how do you not get philosophical? Again, it's talking the about the final frontier. Exactly. <laughs> Words right out of my mouth. Perfect. Well done. <laughs> No, spot on. Uh, here, let's change the topic for a second. Um, I, I found two, two articles that back-to-back I think are really interesting. And the first one was that apparently Japan passed a bill to build AI-powered super cities. And there wasn't a lot of detail in the article that I read, but um, it basically just says that there's a collaborative plan to do sort of public-private uh, building of really smart cities. And um, we talked about artificial intelligence and, and, you know, if it's used for good and that sort of stuff a few times in the show, easy to get philosophical there too. Mm-hmm. But right next to that in the, in the same outlet, this is actually from AI News, um, the ACLU is suing Clearwater AI, calling it a nightmare scenario for privacy. And so in, in one hand, you have government passing a bill with intent of building out really intelligent cities. And then you have 
you know, privacy protection groups suing artificial intelligence companies because they are not being good stewards of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, where do you think that goes? I mean, it's it's a really, it is a very philosophical question. It's something that we think about all the time. I mean, being in technology, you would think, and I know, Aaron, I think I heard your wife saying how you guys have a smart house. We do not. Um, and that was an intentional choice on our end because of the privacy factor. Yeah. And when you talk about AI, I mean, it's an extreme concern of mine. I think that the possibilities of what AI can do for good are endless, but at the same time, the information has to be used in a socially responsible manner. And how do you govern that? If you're talking about it um, in the public sector and privately, how can you ensure that those companies are being good stewards of your information? So without even opting in and opting out, that's not a guarantee that your your privacy is being protected. So I think um, we've proven on the show that that, that you can't. (laughs) Nearly every single episode, we're like massive data leak. Right, ex- <laughs> exactly. Well, and I'm even thinking about it um, from this other perspective. I was reading over the weekend how um, how I think it was Microsoft is laying off a number of editors because they're replacing yeah. it with AI. And I'm thinking to myself, just because AI is determining that this is the group of articles that we want to be reading doesn't mean that it actually is. Maybe it's being clicked on the most. You know, there's obviously so many algorithms that go into it. But how do you know that the decisions that are being made, I'm sorry, they're not decisions, the equations that are being calculated by AI are actually the ones that we truly need. The way our brains work is still very difficult to predict. So I, I tend to err on extreme caution um, as cool as it is when it comes yeah. to allowing that into my personal life. Yeah, I don't know life. what though, because I'm kind of on the other side of that, right? I, I've just leaned into, I'm I'm willing to give up certain things for the convenience. Plus, I just think it's too cool. I can't not. Right? Like, I, I, I love automation. I love talking to my house and having it answer. I do. Back. I do. I'm sorry. I do. Like, it's like, fine. Take, take, take all my stupid conversations. I want every, I want all the right music playing in all the right places. And I want all my lights to do what I tell them to. If I could, if I could get a smarter toaster, I would. Right. Like, you walk into um, his house and he's like, Jeeves, lights on. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, and anyways, like I totally dig it and I'm willing to, to give up some privacy for it, right? But uh, I'm always aware of what that means, I think, um, you know, mm-hmm. probably until I get drug out of my house for saying something against the deep state or something, whatever that is. I'm just, I just threw a firebomb, but... Um, I see, you know, there's a knock on his door. Today yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a friendly knock, I don't think, no. Um, but uh, the, the idea, I, I run into this one a lot where it's... And, and this ends up being sort of fundamentally political in its in in the way that you sort of approach it. But I think one of the only ways to control private entities that have a vested interest and make a lot of money off of your data, your even private data, if it's opt in, opt out, whatever it is, is to regulate them. Because I think we've shown over and over and over and over again that they are literally incapable of self-regulation in a meaningful way. And maybe that's unfair. I'd love to have somebody that could sort of discuss that, you know, maybe ad nauseum. But um, it's you, you have to put measures in place that are enforceable to prevent uh, a groups that have access to that much from doing the wrong things with it. 
and right now I don't I don't think we are doing very much of that, right? I think there's a lot of just well, let them opt into it and then you know, caution to the wind, that's their problem. Well, even right. that stuff like so GDPR is what <laughs> yeah, is what that was for point. and that is, has proven to be a failure at this point. Well, because you can't enforce it. Which right. is which is a problem, and that's right. where they don't have just setting people. the law and yeah. saying you have to deal with this isn't necessarily the right answer. And that's it, it's tough. It's not it's yeah. not as easy as make a law. You have yeah. to have something that's enforceable, and that's very difficult because you also don't want to overdo that, which is the constant struggle with regulation and any kind of market dynamic. You don't want to put it into a situation where innovation is overstifled or it's not possible to sort of move towards the North Star that you've established, right? So no, it's it's a game and it's not an easy one, right? Yep. Well, and it, it is absolutely a political conversation. I, I feel very strongly about that because then you start to t- bring in the question of who regulates it, how, and then being right. obviously in America, is it a state government item? Yeah. Is it a federal yeah, a government point. item? And then right. there's a whole different bag of worms that I'm not going to go down that road right now <laughs> and, uh, about the role of the federal government when it comes yeah. to regulation. So, um, you know, in my That's mind, I like to maybe oversimplify it, but it's all about, you know, the social responsibility piece. And um, I think each company individually, especially given the current climate that we're living in, has to take a step back and, and decide for themselves, you know, what is my what is my stance on social responsibility? Where do I stand? And then maybe back to its consumers, start sharing that information. This is where we stand. This is our perspective. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a consumer, you have to trust. But um, it's a very complicated, it's a very complicated situation, yeah. conversation. And, you know, each of us just has to individually decide what's right for us. I've made the decision that yeah. I'm not going to trust I will let you be the one <laughs> that right, is the guinea pig, and I will and I will follow after Tyler has told me that his smart <laughs> house is well, completely it's, it's handling his information properly. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, Aaron, so, you can never be wrong doing what you're doing. Right? That's true. That's the reality. It's, it's we the could be wrong doing what we're doing. Risk oh, <laughs> but you can. Well, you know, it's a fair point. But at the same time, you can be. I mean, alarms on houses, all of those mm. things. There is no right answer. You can only do sure. what feels right for you. Well, yeah, and what was true. interesting about the article you brought up is that. So when I think about AI replacing things, I think about um, like um, warehouse uh, restocking mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. Or manufacturing was, floors. Yep. Yeah. Sure. This was news production workers, which yeah. in my mind, like you were talking about is, is, is so delicate in terms of what do you, what do you grab? What do you publish? What do you put together? Well, How especially do you- because right now it's so difficult to find true journalism when you're reading yeah. news. Yeah. I agree with that. And I, I think seeing people lose their jobs to algorithms, as you said, right. Mm-hmm. I think you'll, you'll see even more of that. In fact, it, I'm glad you brought it back up, Aaron, because it, it made me think of something that I have noticed a lot lately, which I, I do not like the trend at all, which is um, whether it's it's a Twitter or another social um, platform, right? Over time, the more you interact with that platform, whether it's liking this or following these people or making comments of this, this type variety, right? the content that is delivered to you personally on that mm-hmm. device changes. I noticed mm-hmm. this on Reddit for me. I noticed it on Twitter because when I, when I first start using any social platform, I tend to be more cautious and intentionally neutral. Sure. But inevitably over time, you 
call it your true colors, call it whatever you want, you end up interacting with certain things that are going to move in a certain direction from a, a maybe binary political perspective or uh, I mean, you call it, they, whether it's, sure. they, they, they realize I like technology Tyler. at this point. Exactly. No, 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 precisely. <laughs> it, it's not just political, but, but what I've noticed and what the trend I really don't like is that diversity of perspective starts to evaporate. Absolutely. And so, so well said. I, I noticed this on Twitter recently because I clicked on someone I do not follow, but that people that I do follow, follow. Hey, how's that for a rabbit hole? Um, <laughs> and I noticed that the content that was being shown from a replies perspective was of a single voice almost. And it was one very obvious side of a very diverse topic, right? Yeah. And there were thousands, if not tens of thousands of replies. And the top 40 were all one voice, basically. And, and I did not like it. So was it the top 40 or was it the most relevant? Because that's well, something that I've been noticing a no, lot no, 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 in see, social yeah, media too, is that the relevancy tends yeah. to be the same voice, right? Well, and that's why I like Reddit's ability to very quickly change the filter. Mm-hmm. You can hit a button, you can just say top posts as right. opposed to the trending, whatever that, that means, right? It's probably most relevant, quote unquote, which is the algorithmic approach. You can also sort by new, so there's no bias. And then in Reddit, you can also search by most controversial which I imagine is something to do with either buzzwords, which is interesting, AI probably doing some interesting stuff there, or just people upvoting and downvoting like wild, right? So maybe right, it's right. variability. But I, I, maybe you can do that on Twitter. It's not nearly as obvious and on the surface. So when I say top, I mean just the ones that were catered to me. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. What it thought I wanted to see really bothered me. Absolutely, because, because it's, because it was not, like it's a not giving you a dissenting opinion, yeah. no, 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 right. No. This, right? It's not. It's not a communication platform at that point. It's just confirmation bias. Yeah. Would be the way that I think about it as a as a kind of a science minded person. It, it makes me. I don't want someone to just placate a confirmation <laughs> bias for me. In fact, it makes me very uncomfortable. What so, if this is a little crazy? What if you swapped phones with someone for a day? Just oh, to God, see like cool. what advertisements they get and what stuff is put in front of them versus what you ever see. I'm totally this is why I would going never to do, do that in my house. <laughs> I just I just decided that is a fantastic idea, actually. What better way to start getting um, uh, an idea of diversity how, exactly yeah. within all of your feeds. I'm going to switch with Dan because I can tell you he and I do not agree most of the time. I bet that's, that's going to awesome. completely mess up his newsfeed. Oh, all right, let me, uh, let, me, <laughs> let me take a hard shift on this and drop uh, some, some other news on you here. So there's a gentleman, I just saw this and I, I feel terrible for the guy. Uh, his name is Eric Baker. He was fired from StubHub in 2005. I don't know why. I didn't look into it. Uh, Maybe it's common knowledge, but anyway, he was fired. 15 years later, uh, he paid $4 billion to buy StubHub back. And it happened to be two weeks before the coronavirus destroyed the business. That's some bad timing. It has to go down as one of the worst deals in history ever. Oh, what worst timing ever. That's brutal. Brutal. I saw that in the news today and I was like, ah, man. So, yeah, I I don't know. It feels weird to root for billionaires, but I'm feeling that one. (laughs) Yeah, well, because that's a story of a person who likely worked their way up. Oh, my gosh, that hurts. Well, and it's just the individual, right? You know, that's a there's a lot of love goes into spending that much money to buy something back. 
and mm-hmm. that timing being as awful as it was. Well, and there was no way to predict exactly no, that. Gosh, no. One, uh, how often have I been on StubHub? So many times I can't even begin to count. Awesome. Who doesn't want to go out to sports events and game? Oh, that that's just, I had not heard that. Thank you, Aaron. This is a really great Monday morning. I feel yeah. so motivated. <laughs> when I, so here's another just random one. Um, but MIT just built a robot hand that can, quote, see and feel objects uh, that are cool. that are very, very fragile because they now have um, squishy, flexible materials rather than traditional rigid equipment, right? If you think about a robot mm-hmm. hand, you think about like a metal clamp that's closing, right? Well, now they've got a new generation of robots that have, you know, I mean, push your fingertips together, right? It's squishy. Um, you've got uh, nerves at the end of them and all that kind of stuff. So it's really cool what they're, what they're doing here. That is cool. So uh, I, that kind of creeps me out, not going to lie. <laughs> You know, Tyler was talking about us being bags of meat earlier. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to tell you about something that's high on my radar right now because I live in a house with two children and a dog. And um, there is a consumer electronic company that's going to be coming out with a um, cordless vacuum cleaner that apparently sanitizes the floor with ultraviolet light as you okay. use it. I'm very excited about this. I cannot wait to buy it as soon as it hits the market because yeah. it's just, you know, again, kids, dog, clean floors. Yeah, I mean, sure. These are the you things better, that excite uh, me. Yeah. Not mechanical <laughs> arms that can <laughs> sense fragility. Oh, why, not, why not both? But if you think Come about that, so think about a human arm. <laughs> think about a human arm that can carry a gallon of milk. Right. Well, or t- if you think about person step. with prosthetics, yeah, and exactly. how cool. I mean, That's going back to the original part of the conversation, you know, yep. Luke Skywalker, when he got ah. his replacement hand, <laughs> That's right. That's where it's going, and that is. Really That's what I'm cool. trying to say. Yeah, so, like <laughs> you have the ability to pick up a, a a gallon of milk, right, and pour it, and all that kind of fun stuff. Set it down, immediately switch to the next thing you pick up is a potato chip, right? That is massively milk complicated. Potato chips. You have weird snacks. No, I'm just, I'm trying to, whatever, <laughs> get out of here. Uh, try, try, trying to show, you know, the, the discrepancy there. Maybe pick up a blueberry, right? And not like totally crush it. And then pick um, up the wine that it was made from. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Man, you're now just bringing it full circle. Yeah. You've got some podcast skills, Aaron. Yeah, you do. Uh, wait, are you talking to yourself? Because we didn't yes, start off with that. You know, <laughs> usually we operate with, I, as you should. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's, it's all about yeah. bringing it back together at the end, right? I just thought I wanna, that was cool. Yeah, uh, no, that is cool. And I think it gets back to a conversation we've had a lot on the podcast and that we got pretty good into depth today too, which is it, that kind of technology. And I think almost any technology is, it, it's all about intent and how well the organizations that are developing it become stewards of the technology for uh-huh. the general public, right? There are a lot of terrible things that can come from AI and robotics and, and stuff like that. But there's so much good too, right? Well, yes, yeah, obviously I would love that, you know, Skynet always comes up, right? Because it of feels course. like we're getting close enough for something to be intelligent enough to be that dangerous. And let's let's hope it's not, right? Let's hope that it's actually enhancing. Social responsibility. Yep, I exactly. keep going back to it every it, single sure, time. Mm-hmm. It's spot on. And, and then how do you actually use social responsibility effectively right like what what does that even mean and how do you hold somebody to it it's how do you enforce social responsibility i think that's something we got to figure out but 
Right. Well, and I don't know that there is a way to enforce it. I think it's just a matter of, you know, hoping that the heads of certain companies are are making those decisions. And again, as a consumer, that's where you decide to support those companies or not. It it really is. But um, and I believe that I am probably being naive when I say this, but, you know, consumers, we vote with our dollars. So you try and make conscious decisions as far as the companies you support and then the ones that you don't. And maybe those around us operate the same way. Maybe they don't, but I don't really know that there's many other ways for our voices to be heard as far as our expectations on the companies that we... So my issue with that is that I think it's pretty easy to put... If you asked everyone to put a list of companies you don't trust together... Very long list. Look at the... (laughs) Billions of users, every one of them has saying, just like me, I don't care. I want a smart house. It we suck at holding companies responsible. We do. For yeah, take, we do. take a guess at the one company that everyone thought of, right? As you said that. Starts don't with say F. it. Don't say it. <laughs> with Facebook. No. Ah! <laughs> so I like close. that you said that as I was looking literally at my page. There you go. There Only you go. because no, I like there's... to see the memories. Just say uh, there it is. There it is. So you you do not vote with your dollars in a socio you know <laughs> appropriate way, right? So, they, but that's the point. Fine, it, it I'll doesn't... go out and buy my smart house devices oh, now. Brutal. Thanks, Tyler, for no, no, me. no, no, no. Hold fast. Hold fast. <laughs> you have to have diversity of perspective <laughs> and opinion. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So I, I want to bring up one thing before we wrap this up, assuming we're getting close to the end here. Yes. Um, I saw an article that talked about uh, crisis fatigue, and this is this is a little bit uh, a sidestep of the usual technology stuff. Is this why you guys um, brought me in? Do you know about no, my psychology awesome. background? I feel no, like I was brought in for a reason. Oh, wow. <laughs> perfect. Awesome. Perfect timing. No, no, no. This this is actually really good because um, I personally, like this morning, was debating whether or not this podcast is even appropriate right now because of things that are going on in American society Same. specifically. But it's, I, I, I feel like it's absolutely necessary if you're going to get on the phone and record a podcast about really interesting things that are happening in technology and not at least acknowledge that there are some really difficult and messed up things that are going on right now. And when you couple that with everything that's been happening in this very unfortunate year of 2020, that I I am personally exhausted with not, not, it's not even negativity. It's just the call it hopelessness or lack of being able to predict a, an end or a future state that is because the future is completely yeah there's there's no end in sight the future is unknown and the stress of it all and trying to process all the potential i mean even yeah. thinking one week in the future or one month in the future as we're entering in you know our school is already done for the year many people over the next month are going to have their kids start ending just knowing what's if you have a family, what's one month ahead and the possibilities that you're constantly calculating, that in and of itself is exhausting. And then you add in all these additional peripheral items that are equally as important about how are you going to communicate with family, both your immediate and your extended and maintain personal connectivity. I think that that's where a lot of the challenges are coming up right now. And technology has been a beautiful thing to help try and maintain some of that connection, but it, it doesn't to this entire conversation we've had. It does not replace that human interaction. And um, as we're processing that, and not only that, we're less active, 
right? Okay. Other than Aaron. Aaron, Aaron. Is, yeah, Bewley's, he's just, you know, a totally different person in and of itself. But, you know, most of them are a lot less related. active. It is. If I can and inject then, that real quick. Like, yeah. when you're, what you're talking about, this gave me, you know, one of the main reasons I did it was to kind of escape mentally and mm-hmm. go run 30 miles and, like... I work in the garden and I work in my yard. You know, you have to do something physical in order to help clear your brain. And that's the other aspect that we haven't even touched on is that sleep throughout this entire experience um, has also been a significant issue that most people are who maybe didn't have sleep problems before having them now because we're not right. And we're not utilizing our brains, especially kids. They're not utilizing their brains to the fullest extent that they're used to. And it's having all of these weird side effects that I, I truly believe we're going to be seeing for an extended period of time. I mean, Uh, years from now stuff that my wife and I were just discussing because we were talking about. So I have a three-year-old, five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Right. Uh And so they are all learning everything right now. Right. Oh yeah. How you manage social situations, what it's like to be with your siblings versus friends. And this huge chunk of experience has just been ripped away from my preschooler, from my soon to be kindergarten, my, my daughter who was in her first year of grade school, first grade. And it occurred to us, it's like, they have gotten really good because we're fairly conservative when it comes to the sort of distancing part of COVID Mm -hmm. in in Plano where we are. And um, like my three-year-old will say, hey, can I touch that? And and it's awesome that he is cognizant of some of the risks that we But also with so him. sad. But it's so sad. It's yeah. so sad that, that they even feel like they need to or, or that they're that they realize they need to. I mean that's the thing. It's like you want to be proud of them, but you also just want to cry a little bit. Yeah. And couple that with, uh, you know, we went to go see our in-laws and they they treat this stuff a little bit differently. And now we're debating about, you know, like can we go back and see them? Should we go back and see them? Under what circumstances? What risks are there? What's the risk reward balance in that? You know, I always try to structure that stuff like an equation. Sure. But there's so little it's, information it's available exhausting. that it's very difficult. Yep. Yeah, it is. And and there's another piece that's been floating around a lot lately about uh, reasonable risk where kids in particular are concerned and taking their mental well-being into consideration when deciding how you're going to um, draw those social distancing lines, which you perfectly articulated. Each of us has to do it. on our own, there there is no rule, right? We have to yeah. make the decision that we feel is right for us and our families. And um, that's something that we discuss on a regular basis, especially as more kids are outside yeah. riding bikes and whatnot and sure. helping the kids to determine what they feel comfortable with. Also, mine are old enough where we can have those conversations, thankfully. But it's a very, point. yeah, and it's a very abstract way of thinking, which to put that on, you know, now sixth graders is, you know, amazing and sad at the same time, just like you said. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I don't want to belabor the point that I first started to make up too, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of friends and colleagues and, and honestly just the network in Twitter talking about what's happening in the U S right now from a sort of a, a protest perspective um, coming off the heels of uh, persons in authority overreaching bounds. That seems to be sort of the safest way to describe the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that has really hit me hard is how I insulated my life experiences and how difficult it is for me to empathize. So actually put my head in this, in this space, right? Mm-hmm. Sympathy is easy. 
empathy is, is empathy so is much very harder. Hard. Yep. Because you, if you don't have a shared common experience, you really, you really can't. And, right. and I, maybe that's the right. point is that I feel like one of the things that maybe my parents instilled in me was an ability to be empathetic, um, maybe more diversely than somebody else. I don't know. Uh, comparatively, that's probably total garbage, anecdotal. But, but <laughs> in this all. particular case, I, I, I can't. And I realized may, maybe I shouldn't even try. Is I like trying to jump into that? It's just not. Uh, no, but you can listen. It's and you yeah, can trust exactly. And you can believe, but right? and that's what I'm getting at. Like I'm struggling with yeah. how, in the position that I'm in, I can even sort of respond the mo- in the most responsible way, right? And and right. add that to crisis fatigue in general, and it just there's a hopelessness there, right? And and I guess all of that to say, like, I'm feeling for everybody right now. Um, and I just, I wish there was more everyone could do too. It's some of the problems that we've got right now just seem so stupid. And they, they do. And the more, and the more that ago. we're isolated within ourselves, you know, within our little bubbles, which we've been unfortunately forced into, I think that it's just multiplying the problem yeah. that many times over. I think that as the um, restrictions start to get lifted a little bit and we can start making some more human interactions, more human connectivity, not necessarily physical, but just being in person in public places. I'm hoping, I know there's that word again, I'm hoping that um, some of that hopelessness will will start to ease because we can remember that we are parts of communities and these larger areas and groups and organizations where we can find commonality despite all of our differences. So I'm I'm with you for sure. It's um, a great way to say it. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's why <laughs> no, I'm no, here. That's good. Like, like I said, I, I mean, I didn't know where to take that one. It's obviously not technology related. I wish that it is a technology answer to it as well. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Right. Which, which yeah. you get, there's, there's always some tangential there, but um, it's on, on my mind. I think it's on everyone's mind right now. And, and I know it's not easy to talk about. So thanks for, I appreciate in. you bringing it up though. It's important. <laughs> oh, well, got any more topics? Aaron, you got anything you want to bring that you were just dying to talk about? Which you one? Know, there's, a f- there's a few. Yeah, that's true. Are you talking to me or her? Both. Let me tell one quick little story. Um, and then we got to shut it down because we all have phone calls we got to jump to here real quick. That's true. Um, I was at a little kid's birthday party on Friday night. And I was recounting the raspberry pie and ram story that happened. And I'm telling this to <laughs> seven other adults. And I realized how ridiculous what I'm talking about on this show <laughs> sounds like when you tell it in person as a story. Everyone's like, oh, what? I'm like, okay, I'm a super nerd. <laughs> you're in such good company right now. Yeah, we were talking about, Talk about insulated. We were talking about more RAM in a Raspberry Pi. And my wife was on and she's like, wait, what? Raspberry Pi? You know, she likes cookies and pies and whatever. <laughs> and Tyler's like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. You know, more RAM in pie. And she's like, well, what, what do you mean RAM? Right. And I was like, and I'm she's saying that is I'm looking at my daughter's about- pie top sitting at her desk right in front of me. So that's just yeah. hilarious. <laughs> she's not thinking about random access memory. She's thinking about like RAM, like, bah, you know, <laughs> animal. <laughs> and raspberry pie. Like yeah, with no, ice cream. Now it's a raspberry meat pie. I get it. Yeah. It's a very different conversation. Tried to tell that story in public. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that was amazing. Right. Well, the next time I'm here, I can tell you about how my grandmother refers to the cloud as the bubble. 
<laughs> oh, I like it. I like All right, it. we got to have now, you back bubble on. Bubble is a confusing term too. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You're you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Great way to start my day. So thank you so much. Yeah, this is a fun way to kick off the week. Thank you so much for joining us and, and bringing your opinions. You weren't shy at all. We love that. So um, thanks. And that brings a rather heavy on the philosophical Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if there's anything that we missed, if you've got general feedback or if you want to join us, um, reach out to us, Twitter, LinkedIn, anywhere you can find us and let us know. We'd love to have listeners on the show. Thank you for listening. And thank you for subscribing. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Bye, Aaron. Bye, Aaron.